All right, we're, we're on. Wait a minute, that's something flat right here. Something is that flat supposed to be out like that? Oh, that's why we download it later. Okay. Yeah, the red light's on, so you're recording. Well, I apologize to you again. I called uh, Dennis up twice, and the second time I gave him something to laugh about. Um, <clears throat> and all of our and all of our running around and. Oh man, we forgot this, and Zach forgot that, and all this kind of stuff, and didn't realize I forgot the flash drive. <laughs> so that doesn't always work that way very good. But anyway, um, I was looking so forward to uh, presenting to you the uh, PowerPoint presentation, and I hope that you're not just too terribly disappointed. Um, we will try to possibly in the future. Uh, catch you up through the PowerPoint. Um, I won't be able to do the scientific part of the PowerPoint presentation uh, because uh, you've got to see something. And uh, even though the uh, the wording, the the biblical side of it, is not so much a it needs to be a PowerPoint presentation, but at the same time it does because I have some information that is dealing with that. So uh, let's uh, let's have a word of prayer and ask God for His direction as we uh, try to to make do. Father, we are very grateful to you that we have the opportunity to expound why is it so important for us to renew the mind. I think that Father, that many times we take for granted our our thinking capacity. We take, take for granted the things that are before our eyes. We, we take for granted uh, the functions of our mind and never really, really ponder on the idea that you desire for us to, to save this mind, to take care of our mind, to renew our mind, to, to cleanse our mind. And, and Lord, these are these are very important concepts here for us to be able to look at. And uh, and I pray that as we take a survey through some of the scriptures as to what the Word of God has to say about the mind, different aspects, different concepts. So, Father, we ask that you go before us in this, and uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, um, <clears throat> first of all, I want you to understand that an, an introduction to our thoughts here is that uh, the mind is the battleground. I don't know if you can hear me. I wonder if you can hear me in my back part. It's the battleground between the flesh and the spirit. Many times I think that we don't think about that concept, do you? Is it does it does it come to your cognitive the thinking that the battleground 
is between the, the flesh and the spirit. Why is it? Because they're seeking to have supremacy. It's the flesh that wants supremacy over your mind, and it's the spirit that wants supremacy over your mind. So therefore, it's a battle that is between the two of them. When you got born again, before you were born again, you didn't have this battle, did you? This battle is now, the battle now is between the flesh and the spirit because you now receive the a spirit of God that's within you and the spirit of God hates the flesh and the flesh hates the spirit. And so there's a battle there that is between it and, and so uh, it's kind of like what the Indian chief said to the, the the evangelist, when he came by to see him again, he says, well, how are you doing with your new life in Christ? He says, I feel like that uh, white dog and b- black dog fight inside. And he says, oh, well, who, who wins? He says, the one that I feed the most. And that's true. The one that we feed the most is what, uh, is what takes place. Now, when we there's two concepts here that we want to be able to look at in our, our study is that we want to be able to see through this PowerPoint presentation, whiteboard presentation, uh, <clears throat> that there is the, uh, the biblical and the scientific. The biblical and the scientific. I'm just going to put science there. Is that good enough for you guys? Okay. It's between the biblical and the scientific. And what I want to be able to establish before you today, or this morning, is the biblical concept of what does God say about the mind? Why is God so concerned about your mind? And so there is the biblical concept first that we need to be able to look at, and then we want to be able to look at the scientific. And, and, I, and obviously, I'm not going to get to the scientific, and really, I didn't believe I would. And I don't even, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get through with the biblical, okay? I may not even get through with the biblical. And it just depends upon how much time that we have. How, how, what time do you guys want me to quit? Eight-ish. Uh, eight-ish? Everybody okay with that? Okay. All right, I can I can do that, but I can go to nine ish. I can go to ten ish. Just just however you want to do that. Okay, slide two. Um, It's the girding of your minds. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to uh, First Peter, chapter one. First Peter chapter one. Say so had all this on the PowerPoint, then you have to turn to it. One thirteen. First Peter. Therefore, gird your minds, or gird the loins of your minds, for action. Keep sober, in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what we're looking at is girding up the loins of your mind. Now, what in the world 
is Peter talking about when he talks about girding up the loins of your mind? Well, I had a PowerPoint on this, and uh, where did I go with this thing? Okay, here it is. Um, and what we, what I was going to show you, was a robe. I'm not going to try to try to draw a robe, but I want you to see that in Jewish life, they wore robes. Now, when a, a Jewish man wanted to get someplace in a hurry, he would gird up the loose ends of his robe. He would have a sash, and what he would do, he would gird it up, and he'd pull it up like this, and he'd tie it up somehow. I don't know. I've never been there to see how it was done. But they would do that, and when they would do that, he would be mobile. He would be a whole lot easier to mobile. Not only would he do that for running, but he would do that for work. He would do that for fighting and, and war. He would do that because the girding up of the loins, of uh, the girding up of the loose ends of his robe was very important. Uh, he couldn't run very fast. Uh, you ladies would know that, wouldn't you? When you have these, these dresses that are down there by your knees or your ankles, it would be difficult for you to run, right? Um, just shake your head so I know that, that I am not just talking here. I'm doing something here that you know. All right, so, so the girding, the girding uh, up of your... Um, this word girding is an, an adzonumi. An adzonumi. And an, ad, an adzonumi means simply to gird, to bring up, to pull up. And so when we, when we do that, when we do that, he says to gird up the loose ends of your mind. Well, I, I don't have the garb in my mind. Okay? So what is it that I need to gird up? What is it that I need to bring up? What is the stuff I need to pull up in order for me to be able to function properly? He says it's to gird up the loins of your mind for action. I need to be able to do some action. So this this word is a very important word, and what he's talking about is dianua. Dianua is thoughts. It is taking taking my thoughts. It's gathering my thoughts. But my thoughts my thoughts are in two different realms, are they not? I have a thought life, and my thought life is. Is in the flesh and the spirit, right? That con- that constitutes basically my thought life. Now, let me ask you something: If it was possible for someone to be able to plug some wires into your mind and to show you what you're thinking on a screen, would you want them to do that? No. Not too many people would want to. Uh, what's, what is the theater of your mind? What is showing today? <clears throat> and, and the reason why we really don't want anybody to know what we're thinking is because it kind of embarrasses us. Because our thought lives are, are that which defiles us, right? And so it's, it's important for us to be able to gather up. So what he's saying is that I need to gather up all the loose ends of my flesh 
that is, is in my mind. I need to gather those things up. I need to gather those thoughts up. Now, we have a lot of thoughts that are in the flesh during the day. I know I do. But we have a lot of thoughts that are in the flesh and, and he's saying you need to gather up those thoughts and you need to take them to the obedience of Christ. You've got to gather up those thoughts. So you have, you have a, a thought life, a deep thought life, and that deep thought life is something whereby we have to be able to work, we have to be able to gather up the loose ends. So, so what, I'm, what I'm trying to do here um, this evening is that I'm trying to give you an overview of the mind. Biblically. I want you to be able to see not only the girding, but I want you to be able to see the other aspects that God talks about in relationship to the mind. And the first thing that I, I, I believe that we needed to come to is the girding up of our minds. Is the girding up of the loose ends of our minds. This is an important concept because if we don't do that, then then we're not then we're not being productive. We can't do action for Christ. We can't move out for the glory of God when we are slowed down by the thinking of the flesh. Now, if you would turn to Romans eight five. In Romans eight five it gives you a pretty well clear picture about what it means to present your mind and how your mind is being used. Now in Romans 8.5 it says to mind I'll get there in a second for those who are according to the flesh set their mind froneho froneho set their mind on the spirit is life and peace. So when you set your mind on something, when you set your mind on your front nepho, is to is to be obedient to that that which you have set your mind to. Does that make sense to you? In Romans, just just go back a few chapters there, and in Romans the sixth chapter, notice what Paul says in relationship to how you present yourself too. And um, verse 16, he says, do, not, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience? Did you see that? That little word obedience is very important to note here. You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. So he's talking about earlier there, he talks about presenting yourself as instruments of either righteousness or presenting yourself as instruments of unrighteousness. Now, when you present yourself to someone, you present yourself to that person as as obedience. As a slave would present itself to its master, he has to obey his master in what he tells him to do. Now, if you present yourself to your flesh, then that means you're going to obey your flesh. If you present yourself to the Spirit, then that means you're going to, pre- that you're going to obey the Spirit. 
It's uh, it's like it's like an engine. If I have an in, a, an engine drive for my computer, the drive that I want to use, it's either I will use that drive to to find information on the internet, or I will use another drive to find something on the internet. It's what I am hooked up with. It's what I'm going to function. So therefore, what I'm filled up with is what's going to come out. Is that not right? So if I had a if I had a jar of honey here and a jar of mud here, can I expect honey to come out of the jar of mud? No matter how I wish that I could make my flesh good, I can't. So therefore I have to gird up the loins of my mind and set my mind on the things that are of the Spirit and not on the things that are of the flesh. And the only way that I can do that is that I've got to understand where is my flesh and what is my flesh doing and how is my flesh controlling me. That's a factor that I have to go ahead and see. The psalmist David says, I will put no wicked thing before my eyes. And what he's saying is that I'm not going to give my eyes an opportunity to, to my flesh to guide me in the wrong direction. So therefore, I'm not going to put my eyes on, on something that is of the flesh. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So, uh, slide three. I'm glad that you guys are able in your imagination to see the slides. <clears throat> now, in slide three, that we want to want to again give you another perspective of the mind. Now, we talk about the girding up of the mind. Now, we want to be able to talk to you about what is, does it mean to either be conformed or to be transformed. What is the difference between these two words? Very important for us to understand the difference. So let's turn to Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. <clears throat> now in Romans 12, 2, there is the word that is sumkematitso. Sumkematitso. And what it means to be conformed. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what, what is the, may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I, I memorized that in the King James and sometimes always messes me up. Conformed. Now, what does that word mean? Conform. Um, well, su ke mud fitso means to um, to be the exact pattern that you are poured into. Um, it can be good. It can be either good. Can you, let me say, can it either be good or it can either be bad? Okay. It says to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's good. But to be conformed to the world system, that's not good. Okay? 
it, that's pretty simple and dry and black and white and everything else, right? So therefore, he tells us that, that we're not to be conformed. Jacob told Reuben that he was like water. If you would uh, turn to Genesis, in fact, I'm going to let one of you turn to Genesis and read that for me. In Genesis 49.4. Genesis 49.4. You got that, Bob? Unstable <laughs> as water, you shall not have preeminence, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Okay, here is a a statement that Jacob makes about his oldest son. He says he's like water. Now, when he says that he's like water, what does he mean by that? He's saying that he's unstable. Now, everybody knows that water is very unstable, right? If you fill a glass up uh, to the top and then you decide that you're going to go from one room to the other, uh, the chances are that the water is going to be everywhere, right? Because it's unstable. And so if I had a square glass here and a round one on here and I poured water into the square vase, would it remain round? No, it would conform to that, that square vase. The same is true with the round vase. I cannot expect it to be any other way. So therefore what he's saying here in this passage of Scripture is to not be conformed to the world. Now, when we say not to be conformed to the world, that means that, that like water, if I was poured into the vase of the world, I would look like the world. I would act like the world. Everything I did would have an action that would be somewhat like the world. I could not expect to be any way different. I would have to be, I would have to have this uh, this this understanding that if I am conformed to the world, then I, my mind is going to be defiled. This is what he said. This is what he said to Reuben. He said that you have defiled my bed. You have defiled it. You have polluted it. You have desecrated it. And so when he's saying that, what, what the word that's being used here is the same word. Except that the, it's in the Hebrew instead of in the Greek. But what the concept here is the same concept is that you will defile your mind. You will pollute your mind. You will profane your mind. You will desecrate your mind. And believe me that when you get into the study and I begin to share with you how the options of the mind are. Do you have a question? Okay. Well, the options of the mind, you will see how this mind, when, when, I, when I have it on a, a PowerPoint presentation and when I bring my, my flash drive and when we have a computer and all that good stuff, then I would be able to show to you how, how the thoughts... I want to teach you what happens when the thoughts go in, where does it go, how does the process it go all throughout the mind, and when it goes throughout the mind, how does it proceed down to every aspect of my body? Do you know? You don't know this. But I'm going to tell you that 
There is 108 diseases that comes from your thought life. Toxin thought life. Amazing. Amazing. And it's just simply from your thought life. And so, how we think and what we think of and what we're consumed of makes a big difference. Now, all of us, I don't know when some of you have been born again. Some of you got born again later in life. Some of you got born again, born again, born again uh, early in life. And, and those who have been born again early in life don't have the humanism in their minds as those that have been born again later in life. Because you say, well, what do you mean by that? Because when, when you begin to live your life, you lived it conformed to the world's philosophies. You lived it according to the world's way of doing things. And this is the reason why God says that you must, and acrinesis, you must renew your mind. There must be a process of renewing your mind because now you are trans- now you are conformed. And, and say, so, well, does that mean that, that it's only those people who are born again later in life? No. Christians can do that too. They can, they can backslide. They can go into an area to where they become conformed to their minds. And they, their minds become complete. Uh, boy, I'm tongue twisted here today. Their minds become polluted. When their minds become polluted, they, they have to go through this girding up your mind. Girding up those things that became polluted. Girding up those times that you gave yourself to the world. Girding up those times where you're not used by God. And so this is what God is trying to, this is what He's trying to share with us. What I'm trying to share with you is that you've got to gird up your mind. And the process of that is don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the things of this world. But the very opposite of being conformed to this world is being transformed. Now, on that PowerPoint I had was there was a... The word transform means metamorphosis. And we get our metamorpho... And we get our word metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis is, as you know is a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly. Now, that is a tremendous transformation. Because when you look at a caterpillar, that is the most ugly thing that you can ever look at. I mean, it's got a whole bunch of legs, and it's got, it's got just, I mean, he's just ugly. You understand what I'm saying? It's just an ugly, ugly thing. But then it goes through a transformation, and it goes into this, this cocoon, and it comes out most beautiful. A wonderful, beautiful moth. Isn't that something? I'm so amazed about that. Uh, it's such a it's such a beautiful illustration that God gives us in nature how that a caterpillar can become a butterfly. Do you realize that you guys can become butterflies? You know, I've got a saying is don't crush somebody's butterfly. You know, sometimes we get insensitive to other people and we crush them butterflies. And, uh, you know, being a butterfly 
is when God God enables you to transform your mind. There's got to be a transformation of your mind. And how is that done? How do you become transformed? How is this metamorphosis taking place? How does it happen? Well, it happens by anachronesis. It means, first of all, it's by renewing of your mind. Well, what does that mean to renew? Well, it means to renovate. If I, if I bought a house and I decided I didn't like the innards, and I went in and I just tore everything out of the house, and so I go back in again and I renovate it. I, I put in there what I like. I, I want it to look nice. I put new walls up and I put new rugs down on the floors and I put new cabinets in and, and I renovate it. That's what we have to do with our minds. We have to renovate our minds. That's part of being transformed. It says to renew yourselves, renew yourselves in the Word of God. So the renewing of it. I want you, with, with someone, well, I don't have the passage of Scripture. It was on the, it was on the uh, PowerPoint. But, but in that passage of Scripture, it talks about God opening their mind. Opening their mind. That's a very important thing because it's, uh, it's, it's dealing with, when he says, he says, uh, diakana means to open, it means to expand. He's saying that Jesus said that I expanded their minds, I opened their minds. Why? So that they can receive more, so that they would understand more. How do we expand our minds? By meditating upon the Word of God. If we, if we study the Word of God and, and we meditate upon the Word of God, then, then what we have done is that we have gone through a process of expanding our minds. By expanding. This is what God says that, that uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night. Well, come on, come on, God. I mean, who can meditate on something day and night? But see, that's what he's saying, is to meditate on day and night. Why? So that your mind would be expanded, so that you would have a greater understanding about not only the Word of God, but about life. You have wisdom to know how to operate. You know, there's a vast difference between knowledge and wisdom. Did you know that? A vast difference between the two. So what is the difference between the two? Well, I I had a cartoon one time, and and on the cartoon, there was this door that says, Push! And this guy was coming up there, and he had all kinds of degrees. And, And he was pulling with all his might. He could not get the door open. But all he had to do was look up there, and he says, Push! So he has a bunch of knowledge. He had no wisdom. Knowledge, if you, if you gather knowledge, knowledge is assimilating. Assimilating the knowledge becomes wisdom. Being able to take that knowledge and, and to break it down, to, make it, to meditate on it, to understand what God is saying, so that God would expand your mind, so that God will give you the insights into His Word, so that God will help you to understand the principles of His Word. 
And so when God does that, when He begins to expand the mind, when He begins to give you an understanding of the mind, a mental understanding of the Word of God, the anacrino, um, then your mind is beginning to expand. You You show me a man of God who not only has applied the Word of God to his life, but he's a man who is astute in the Scriptures, and I'll show you a man has great wisdom. And his great wisdom doesn't come from the world. He doesn't come from the studying of books. It doesn't come from being in lecture classes within schools. Wisdom is not something that you can gather. It comes from assimilating knowledge. And when you gather that knowledge together from the Word of God and then you assimilate it and you begin to process it within your spirit, God gathers and gives you wisdom. Isn't that wonderful? So so here's the, the process that God is giving to us. Is that clock? It's not right back there, is it? I didn't think so. I was looking back at that and I said, man, I can't, I can't stay ahead of that clock. Man, it just keeps on. Well, I can't stay ahead of it because it stops. It doesn't work, you know. There's another concept about what it means to be transforming and to transform your mind. Not only do we talk about the renewing of your mind, not only are we talking about the expanding of your mind, but we are also talking about what you put yourself into to look at. And it's the word anacrino. If you'll turn to First uh, Corinthians, the second chapter. Now, <clears throat> it tells us in verse 15, well, yeah, verse 15, let's go there. But he who is spiritual appraises anacrino, appraises all things. Yet, he himself is appraised by no man. Now, what does it mean to anacrino, really, anacrino? What does it mean to anacrino? It's kind of like if you if you took you, you know I used to use this illustration but I stopped using this illustration when I said weasels instead of what's the other word for it? Weevils. I said when I was good in this illustration I said my mom used to use a strainer for the flower and she would strain out these weasels. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't realize I was saying weasels instead of weevils. You know, there's a big difference. Those weasels are pretty good size. <laughs> uh, not too many people were, I don't know, they just wasn't listening. They couldn't see it or what, I'm not sure. But anyway. But she would, uh, she would strain the flower. Did anybody do that? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. You did that? Well, my mom used to do that, and uh, and so what was left of things that you didn't need, and you discarded it, right? And a crinkle is a sieve. It's it's like a sieve. That's what that word means. It's kind of like a sieve. So what what you're doing is that uh, the word of God is kind of like a sieve, okay? And and so that means that everything I put through the word of God, if it comes out the other side, it's good. 
But if it doesn't come out the other side, it's junk. Don't 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 fool with it. And so <clears throat> so if you are if you are transforming your mind, then in which I, I strongly urge you to do, is that that you must do these things that I've been talking to you about. And and the the thing about anacrino is that you say, Well, I'm gonna go watch this movie. Well, what are the previews of that movie? And what what is that movie about? And so how would you know whether or not that movie is a good thing for me to watch? You put it through the Word of God. If you put it through the Word of God, then the Word of God will determine for you as to whether that movie is junk or whether it is something worth watching. You, if you have if you have someone that you are interested in, it's sort of like the opposite sex, and you say, "Well, I I, I really love this person. I think she's she's really special." Do you know anything about it? What do you know about it? Well, the things that you know about her, you put it through the Word of God, and you find you say, "Well, you know." Does God really tell me what kind of a person I'm supposed to marry? Well, yeah, He does. He gives you a good, clear understanding through His Word because that's what you're supposed to bring it through, right? And so the person that you're looking for is a person that matches up to the type of person that God says. And and, and that goes with anything and everything that you do in life. So if you're a man of God or a woman of God, you are you are transforming your life. And when you make a transformation in your life, that means that that you are that you are uh, renovating it, you're renewing it, you your mind is expanding and you are coming to the place of being able to investigate everything that happens in your life as to whether or not do I match up to God's Word. So, we gird up the loose ends of our mind. And when we gird up the loose ends of our mind, we begin to see what is of the flesh, what is of the spirit, and we want to be sure that we're not being conformed to the world, but we are being transformed. You know, if you're a transformite, that means that you should be different. You should look different. You should act different. And that there should be something different about you. And if you are a conformite, then there is no difference from you in the world. Um, they look at you and they say, if you say, well, I'm a Christian, and you say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were a Christian. I, I could never tell. <laughs> Why couldn't you tell? Because you don't live like a Christian. you got to live like a Christian in order for me to know whether you're one. So oh, that's a big difference in there. So the renewing of the mind is through the Word of God. It must be that transformation that takes place. Amen? Now, all of this process that we're going through is coming to eight-ish. <clears throat> all of this process that we're coming through here is that what, what are we trying to achieve? What is the thing that we're trying to achieve?
<clears throat> what we want is that we want to have a sound mind. <clears throat> is that possible? Is it possible for us to have sound mind? Well, according to Paul, it is. Uh, Hebrews, let me see, is it in Hebrews? Yeah, 2 Timothy 1.7. Someone turn to that for me, please, and read it. 2 Timothy 1.7. The sound mind, sophronismus. Sophronismus. Sound mind. Yeah, read it, please. For God gave us the spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, what translation are you reading there? That doesn't say yeah. sound mind in yours? Uh, no, the ESV. Second Timothy 1, seven. Yeah. Okay, I guess maybe I've got to use the most accurate translation here. <laughs> Go to... Uh, Second Timothy. Does anybody have in their translation sound mind? I do. You do? Okay, good. What translation? Um, <laughs> I have New King James Version. Oh, good. Good version. Good version. Read that for us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, the power of love of a sound mind. Our love of sound mind. That's the goal that we want to come to, is to have a sound mind. Um, all of this that we have talked about in the girding and the transformation and all that comes up under the transformation is that we would come to a place of having a sound mind. Now, when we say, what does it mean to have a sound mind? Well, that means that uh, I have to have a disciplined mind. You know, that, that scares folks. Do you know that? People say, well, you're disciplined, but I'm not. I'm not a disciplined person. I, 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 I'm, I, I, I'm just not disciplined, you know. Well, the question is, why don't you learn to be disciplined? <laughs> why don't you discipline your mind? See, this is the, this is a, this, this is the, the training. It's the discerning. It's the, it's the mind, the sound mind. That means there's not a bunch of crud there. It's sound. It's solid. It, it, has, it has the Word of God so infixed within your mind that you're thinking the Word of God. You, you, you sing to the glory of God. You, you, you just Everything just seems to revolve around Jesus Christ. It's a sound mind. It's a sound mind. Hebrews 5.14 Turn to that place. Hebrews 5.14 Mitnosh Read that for us. Mit what? Mitnosh. Mitnosh. I knew I'd do that. I should have just said Mick. He said 5.14? 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Well, that word there that is used to exercise the train is, is gamazzo. Um, guess what we, our English word is from gamazzo. Anybody have any idea? Gamazzo. It means that gymnasium. 
we get our English word gymnasium. What do you do in a gymnasium? You exercise, right? You, you do sports. There's all kinds of different things that you do in a gymnasium that has to do with exercise. And so he uses the word gnotso, and he, what he's saying is that you've got to train your senses. Now, is he talking about my eyes, my ears, my hearing? What, what kind of senses is he talking about? But no? How about spiritual senses? Our spiritual senses of right and wrong. It's the spiritual senses of knowing right from wrong. Do you, you know that you say, well, I know right from wrong. Who doesn't know right from wrong? Lots of people don't know right from wrong. There's a person that my, my, my businessman may be in a business deal. And in this business deal, he, there may be some factors that are involved. And he's got to know as a born-again believer, as a, as a sound mind man, as to whether or not he should turn down a business deal because it does not honor God. That's a sound mind. And that's an ability to be able to exercise that sound mind. You see, we get into all kinds of situations in life and we've got to know what is right from wrong. What is the course of action that I'm going to take? You see, we, we um, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word. That's when we, we justify. We justify ourselves all the time. When we do something that we know is wrong, we justify it and say, well, you know, everybody does that. You know, it's just not just me. It's just everybody does that. You know, that's justification. And, and so if we, if we look at something that we say there's a sound mind, and I know that that's a simplification, but see, the point being is that all phases of life that we're in, if we're going to demonstrate Christ Jesus and how we walk, we have to have a sound mind. We have to be able to know the difference between right and wrong. No matter if there's an elementary level or whether it's a real high college level. We've got to know the difference between right and wrong. And we've got to have the boldness to stand for that which we know is right versus that which is wrong. What's the use of having a sound mind? In fact, let me tell you something. You don't have a sound mind if you don't apply Scripture to your body. You don't apply Scripture to your life. You don't have a sound mind. You can go through every one of the steps that I have just shared with you, and if you don't apply it to your life, you don't have anything. Because, see, you can do it here, but it's got to be here as well. It's got to be walked out in shoe leather. And so what you learn, what you learn through Scripture, you're going to apply it to your life. And that is what a sound mind is. So when you come to that place where you are faced with a very difficult situation, and God has given you a sound mind through the process of applying the Scriptures to your life, then you have to make a decision and that decision may not be very popular. 
may not be popular at all. But having a sound mind is one who is willing and has exercised his mind and knows the right from wrong. So all this process that we're talking about and preparing the mind is coming to that place of having a sound mind. Now, now, um, it is eightish, but I want to bring out. I know when Dennis says, "I'm going to bring out a couple more points," then you know that you're going to be there for about another another ten to fifteen minutes. <clears throat> and I don't really mean for that to take place, but you know, um, if Dennis can do it, I can do it too, right? <laughs> no, I'm but anyway, what we're talking, about, what we need to, what we need to understand with a sound mind, and how am I to continually, continually maintain my sound mind? Now you say, well, you do everything that you said that is beforehand. I said, yeah, that's true, that's true. But there's another facet that you need to be able to understand, and that's obtaining a cleansed conscience. Obtaining a cleansed conscience. Um, your conscience is something that is going to be able to either scold you or affirm you. And see, as you have prepared your mind, as you've gone through everything that you have done, you have achieved a sound mind. But now, when you do something that's wrong, your conscience is going to bear is going to bear witness with that. If you make a bad business deal or you situ- a situation that you have in your life and you do the wrong thing, your conscience is going to bear witness with that. Now, you can either ignore your conscience and push it back aside, but see, you can't really do away with your conscience because each time you try to push it down, push it down, push it down, you have what we call the seared conscience and we don't want a seared conscience so the conscience is what maintains that sound mind it shows you how you're supposed to walk with God and and how the things are supposed to be done and so in John 14:27 Jesus talks about peace he says peace I give with you and, and Dennis has been dealing with peace uh, and then patience but uh, <clears throat> peace is a gift you can't you can't earn peace Peace is a gift. And peace, a peace inside is a wonderful thing. When, you, when your conscience is constantly, constantly badgering you, you don't have peace. You know, when I do something wrong, when I lie, my conscience won't leave me alone. I mean, it bugs the dickens out of me and I've got to make it right. And why do I need to make it right? To appease my conscience. Because as long as I know I have lied and I haven't made it right, I don't have a sound mind. See what I'm saying? And so all this process that we're talking, we're talking about and how do we get there can be lost by doing some things that are so wrong. It says that Demas has left me for this present world. Now, Demas walked with Paul. And he went through some of the processes that we're talking about. And he must have had somewhat of a sound mind. 
And I would imagine that Paul would have been able to detect some things in Demas' life. Wouldn't you think so? But then he says, Demas has left me for this present world. So, if we, and what, I, what I'm getting to, guys, is that if we think that we have arrived, we haven't. If we think that we are so strong and so sure-footed and that we don't have to worry about losing anything and that our sound mind will never give us any problems. Listen, this week I had a battle with my computer. And you know, Dennis just got finished talking about patience. And I lost my patience. I lost my patience over that computer. I was so frustrated and angry with that computer because it was winning and I was losing. So, when we talk about a conscience, I didn't have to go to the computer and say I'm sorry. But I had to, you know, get things right with my wife because I was upset with things. Reconciliation is when we have peace with God and God gave us reconciliation and so we have a friendship with Him and when we have a friendship with Him we don't want that to be tainted because we go before Him and we want to know that we have that fellowship with Him. Now, I think that perhaps maybe I need to go ahead and stop because my leg is cramping. Uh, I get these cramps. But... uh, I wanted to talk to you about how to obtain, how to continually attain a cleansed conscience. And uh, I know I need to stop, but I can't stop because I feel like I'm just leaving you here and you need to continue to know how to possess this sound mind. And, and, and the two concepts of how to, con- to maintain the, that your sound mind is through forgiveness and love. Forgiveness and love. The second greatest commandment that Jesus gave us was what? Love one another. Love our neighbor as herself, right? You know how difficult that is? That's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, what, what, what it happens here is that, when we talk about that, is that the world is always looking at the church. Did you ever notice that? The world is always looking to see whether or not there is unity there. Whether or not there is love for one another. And, and, and the world, you know, the world says, well, I'm not going to that church. I mean, they, 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 don't, they ain't got no unity. There is always, you know, what, what they're saying is that why should I go to that church when I've got this in the world all around me anyhow? So why do I need that? Good point, huh? So God has really given the world to judge the church in two areas. Unity and love. <clears throat> and if we're really, we're unified, you know. So we're fishers of men. And we hang our nets out and it's got a bunch of holes in it. And the world walks by and they say, <laughs> they've got holes all over their net. How are they going to catch fish that way? You've got to have love for another if you're going to be really fishermen for, fisher for men. And so, so, so in, in order to maintain a sound mind, in order to maintain a sound mind, is that you've got to have love one for another. 
and you're going to have forgiveness and you've got to be able to forgive one another. And I am going to, I am going to, this next time we meet, show you, prove to you scientifically what happens to the mind if you don't forgive. What happens to the mind if you don't forgive? You say, well, how did you come across this? I had to do a lot of study, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a scientist. I'm just a theologian, and maybe a poor one at that. But I have determined that I wanted to share with my inmates a thought process of what happens to a thought. I was curious. I want to know, too. I want to know what what happened, you know. And so I, I worked and worked and worked and I had to learn terminologies. And boy, they were difficult words. And I had to go over them over and over and over and over again. And I had to just, I just had to study. And so when I come to teach this again, I have to go back and I have to study again and again and again. Just, I just, I've been, but second time around, third time, fourth time around, it's a little easier. But if there's one thing that I have learned through the scientific study, that if you don't forget, you're destroying your mind and you're destroying your body. And uh, I'm going to prove that to you. Scientifically, I will prove that to you as to what happens to your body. And how the toxins take place within your body because of the chemistry, the chemicals that come from your thought life. Is this forgiveness for, is it exclusive to others or can it be forgiving yourself? It's forgiving of yourself and it's forgiving of others. You see, a lot of people have a problem with bitterness. Those people have problems with bitterness, anger, malice. Uh, hatred, uh, all these things are shut your brain down, and uh, <clears throat> and so I, I, the reason why it's so important for me to learn this is because I wanted my inmates to understand that they were shutting their brains down, that that what the crimes that they did and the people they hated, and and all of these things. I wanted them to know what happens to their bodies. And I've had tremendous results from that. I've had some guys that come to me and and they'll tell me, man, I never knew, I never knew that when I was destroying my body. I never knew about the diseases that are coming from having bad thoughts, and evil and, and all kinds of thoughts, you know. So, <clears throat> we'll, we'll share a little bit more and we'll probably review what we have shared here today. But uh, I want you to really think about what I'm saying here because I, I wanted you to see God's perspective of the brain and how that we are supposed to utilize the brain and what we're supposed to do with our minds. But also God, it's just amazing when you study the brain of the Creator and how magnificent and how intricately he has put things together. Boy, our minds are really sophisticated stuff. Talk about a computer. That's a computer right up there. So God, this God has is so amazing, 
so amazing. So when we when we say, okay, uh, the next one's one, these Wednesday nights, we're going to start our study on the on the mind. You be sure you're here, because you heard the first part, and you got to hear the last part, right? Yeah, there you go. You just have to put your flash drive in your pocket and carry it with you. Thanks a lot, and uh, and I and I and I received that rebuke. <laughs> well, okay, let's close in the word of prayer. Uh, Bob, would you close close sure. first? Gracious Heavenly Father, you are uh, you are a great, awesome, and wonderful God, merciful and just, kind, faithful, and trustworthy. So gracious to us, we uh, we know that that what we're learning here tonight about our minds is something that you want us to know and to be uh, aware of, so that uh, as your people, we can. we can work toward this sound mind uh, that you want us to have, that you would bless us with if we would just strive for that uh, because it's the way you made us to be. And, and uh, Lord, so we just pray for your help. We uh, pray that you would help us to uh, meditate on the scriptures now this week and to dig into those scriptures, Lord, and to learn more about what you would, about your mind and about your thoughts, that we may think these thoughts after you, that uh, they would go through through the sift sifting of your word, of the scriptures, and that the dross would be uh, poured off mm-hmm. and that the, uh, the pure wisdom of your word would would stay and would would take root and uh, come alive in us that we would have our minds conformed only to Jesus Christ renewed in the truth and that we would then know and be prepared Lord so that we can gird up our minds the way you would have us so that we would all have sound minds in Christ. This is our prayer, Lord. And we thank you for this teaching tonight. And uh, we pray that uh, it would be a blessing not only to this fellowship here tonight, but to those of us who we can share this good news with as well as you teach us these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.